Welcome to a brand new edition of Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. Watford at a standstill against Wigan at the Vic. Watford won, Wigan Athletic won. Watford can't find a way through Wigan. And for those who hope on for playoffs, I think the hope has officially been dashed. And... Watford challenge for the promotion spots. The Watford women take on Oxford United. As Watford look for promotion against the team that leads the league and will visit Watford on Sunday. All of that coming up on this brand new edition of Welcome to this brand new edition of Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. Watford won and Wigan won. Watford at a standstill at the Vic. Well, Watford were looking to be two on the bounce in the win column against a Wigan side that were in 23rd place from 24 teams in the championship. Wigan almost certainly looking to head down, although I know they're not looking to, that they almost certainly are destined to be relegated by season's end. They lose practically all of their games, and although recently they picked up some points, including against Coventry in midweek, Watford were expected, expected to win. Watford went about that business on Saturday with aplomb and dexterity in the first half, moving the ball very well indeed with an unchanged side from the team that defeated Birmingham City in midweek at the Vic. Watford did look very good in the first half. Busy, lively, energetic. They had chances. Keenan Davis had a real chance, a sitter of a chance, just before half-time. An open net, and he was a judge to be marginally offside. He headed the ball over the crossbar with a gaping net in front of him, right in front of the rookery end. Now, the rookery end is not the end that Watford usually start off facing in the first half of these games, but they lost the toss, and that meant that they would have to face off kicking to the rookery end, and that was the way that the Wigan players adjudged it, and Watford just did not get the job done after that. In the first half, shortly after Keenan Davis had really spared his blushes from the offside flag by missing that open sitter, really a sitter that he missed with his head over the bar. Just seconds after that, Keenan Davis was in the right-hand side position, driving into the box for Wigan. And when the Wigan player zigged, he zagged and hit a shot, struck it really beautifully right into the bottom right-hand corner of the Wigan net. And that was Keenan Davis's goal to make it his second in a row, two from two for Mr. Davis. Keenan Davis, who had gone almost five months without scoring a goal, and he did have three or four games out from injury during the course of that time, finally got on the score sheet on Tuesday. And now, like buses, they all pile up after being missed for a number of hours or minutes. And Keenan Davis gets his second in two. Two and two for Davis and six on the season for Watford from Davis to give Watford that 1-0 lead. Now, what Wigan was doing in the first half was absolutely trying to dirty up the game. Lots of time wasting, lots of gamesmanship, which is what you can expect from away sides. Watford could expect this because every away side comes into the Vic with that kind of mission to mess up the game, to make the game untidy, and to disrupt the rhythm of the home side. Now, Watford managed to pretty much weather out that storm despite a lot of the time-wasting tactics from Wigan in that first half. But they weren't so fortunate in the second half, which I'll get to in a moment. But Watford, even in the first half, as decent and as solid as they were, they did not at times have the fast movement of the ball, the quick movement that you would like to see that they had at least a few days before against Birmingham. Watford did not move the ball quickly enough in this game. And in the first half, there were shades of that as well. 
Watford did not move the ball quickly enough in this game in the first half. They did not move it quickly enough. They began to slow down in the game after they got the goal. Granted, it was toward the end of the first half, but Watford really should have put the uh, put this game away. Imran Loser had an opportunity. He was not able to get the job done. I think he hit the bar uh, in one of those opportunities in that first half, or maybe the second half. But Watford had a couple of opportunities in that first half where they should have upped their lead beyond the one goal previous to that. But the bottom line is, is that Watford went into the break with a 1-0 lead in the second half. And everybody knows this about football. You are at your most vulnerable if you are up 1-0 going into a second half. That's when you're at your most vulnerable. First of all, you're at your most vulnerable when you've just scored. Second of all, you're at your most vulnerable when you have gone into the break up one goal to nil and you are then starting the second half and you have to weather the storm those first 10 minutes or so of that second half. Watford were not up to that though and as a result, they got punished because in that second half, those first 10 minutes within six minutes or so, maybe maybe a bit more than that, Wigan scored the goal that would give them a share of the points at the end. James McLean, everybody's favorite pantomime of pantomime villains. Um, I should say the pantomime villain of pantomime villains, villains is James McLean. He managed to get a header into the box. It was a really good header, by the way. Watford, I think, slept on that cross, that corner cross and that set piece. And James McLean rose above everybody, headed the ball, and the ball arced and arched and went right into the roof of the Watford net. Daniel Batman just couldn't have done anything about that if he had tried. No goalkeeper would have been able to save that. The angle of that ball was just played perfectly off the head of James McLean, dropped just into the back of the net from the underside. That is a very difficult situation to save. You can't do anything with that. And as a result, that was 1-1. But Watford, guilty of switching off there, they did not apply the same same amount and the same kind of intensity in the second half of the game as they did in the first. And because of that, Watford then were not in a position really to do much about this game. And they really should have done a lot more about this game than they did in the second half because that goal gave Wigan a new lease of life. And as a result, Wigan began to chase very forcefully the ball. They were all over the place, had a lot of energy, Wigan. They had a couple of counters that looked very good. They were had a five-on-two at one point against Watford, and Wigan should have scored there. And if it wasn't for Wesley Hood making the clearance, this could have been a very different situation. We could have been talking about a Wigan victory here at Vicarage Road. But thankfully, that didn't happen. But what will disappoint you as a Watford supporter from that perspective is that Watford played the second half in a completely Jekyll and Watford fashion. The second half of this game was the kind of second half that absolutely will let you down as a Watford supporter. We've seen many of those kinds of second halves this season. We've seen many of those first halves this season. And Watford have played very poorly and then up their tempo in the second half have been normally a bit better. But it depends on which Watford show up. Maybe the Jekyll part of Watford show up first half and the Watford part of Watford show up second half. And then sometimes it's a reverse of that. Well, the Watford half of Watford showed up in the second half of this game against Wigan, and it showed. Watford got away from doing the fundamentals in football, got away from doing the kinds of things that would give them the kinds of wins that they got against Birmingham just a few days ago. Watford ended up, instead of playing simple football, made the lives of their own players and the fans complicated and difficult and agonizing. As Watford tried to be too precise in the game, they they pushed, in other words, they were, I think, in a frenzy to try to get the goal that would give them the win. In fact, at some times, and lots of points during the second half, Watford looked as if they were waiting for something to happen. Waiting. Instead of making something happen, they were waiting for something to happen. And Watford did that on a variety of occasions in this second half of this game. And Wigan just grew in confidence. Wigan playing with nothing to lose. Decided to continue to time waste. Again, it's an annoying thing to watch, but it's perfectly legal. Nothing wrong with it. It's gamesmanship. And any football team away from home does it. And Watford would have done it too had they been away from home. 
But Watford in this situation have seen this movie too many times before and they just did not know how to react to it very well. Watford aren't good at dealing with this and we've seen this over and over again. One of the things Watford also are not dealing with very well and not good at is dealing with prosperity. I talked about this in the game against Birmingham City. And Watford did not play very well coming into the first 15 to 20 minutes of that second half on Tuesday night. And I said to you that Watford have got to learn how to play with prosperity and that Chris Wilder would have more time with these lads to get them into shape. But for Watford, it was not to be today because they, again, failed to play with prosperity very well. And what you saw is a Watford side who switched off, assumed that this game was in the bag, actually waited for things to happen rather than make them happen. And because Watford failed to make things happen at Vicarage Road today against the Wigan side, 23rd in the league out of 24 teams, they were able to be paid the price and they were learning. I hope they learned a lesson out of this game, but one sense is that that may not have happened. Watford then in this game were trying, but not trying hard enough. Watford in that second half really played hard, but not smart. Watford were doing the simple things very difficult. And what you have to do in football is make the things on the pitch a lot more simplified. And I think Watford were guilty of making things difficult. And not just difficult in the field of play, but difficult on themselves. And I think Watford really buckled to the pressure of this game. I think they absolutely did. I think they capitulated to the pressure of the game. And capitulated to all the time-wasting tactics. There was lots of frustration on the Watford pitch. You saw Chris Wilder in this game get a yellow card in just his third game in charge. He was having a go at Paul Maloney, the Wigan Athletic manager. It was very bizarre. You know, Chris Wilder feeling the pressure himself, obviously. But, you know, whether he's feeling pressure or not is not the point. The point is you've got to set a better example for your players. You cannot be getting yellow cards in these games. One of the things I've talked about all season long is Watford's lack of discipline as a football team on the pitch. This men's first team lacked discipline in a lot of situations. We saw that in the game against Reading when Reading uh, were down 2-0 to us and we could not close the deal out at the, uh, at the Reading Stadium. I've forgotten the name temporarily here. The Medeski. We couldn't close out anything at the Medeski just a few weeks back when we had a 2-0 lead up there out there in Berkshire. Uh, west of us, and we could not get the job done and end up with a 2-2 draw. Too many draws this season for Watford and a lack of discipline. We've seen that over and over again. A camera getting sent off against Millwall. We've seen this over and over and over again. Hamza Chowdhury getting the 10 yellow cards, the accumulation. Over and over and over again, we've had these problems with discipline, whether it's something like a straight red or these yellow card accumulations. A really foolish things now that will come back to bite this team in the backside during the rest of this campaign. And you saw it again in this game. Watford did not have proper discipline in this game. And yet that stretched also to the head coach, Chris Wilder, who I think really did not do himself any favors having a go at the Wigan coach. The Wigan manager is doing what any away manager would do in this situation. He instructed his team to take time off the clock roll around, play dead. Um, that's, that's what happens in these games. I mean, that is not something that's new. And a veteran manager like Chris Wilder's got to know that in that situation. So these players, these players have seen this every single game at the Vic this season where the opposition players roll around, time waste. I mean, the worst two teams at it have been Preston and Wigan. These last two uh, games where Wigan have got draws, Watford, excuse me, have got draws. You have these players on the opposition teams absolutely wasting time. That's gamesmanship. Until you give out yellow cards for that, and I know there are some yellow cards for time wasting. Goalkeepers normally get those. But until there's a strict rule about that, this is going to continue until the end of time. You're going to have teams coming into your stadium and they're going to time waste. That's what they're going to do. In fact, I don't see anything wrong with it. It's part of the game. It's not a dirty thing. Perhaps it's cowardly, but any away player has the absolute right to do that if that player wishes to do so. As I said, Watford away from home would do the same thing. And until there's some kind of severe penalty for doing it, 
It's going to continue. It's part of gamesmanship. It's part of strategy. Watford have to learn how to deal with this better. Watford have to learn how to deal with prosperity. Play well with a 1-0 lead. Play well with a 2-0 lead. Deal with the fact that you know that Wigan are going to come out better in the second half. You had the warning sign on Tuesday night against Birmingham. When Birmingham came out, they had guilt-edged chances, missed sitters, and you got away with it. Not so today against Wigan Athletic. So the final score was Watford 1, Wigan Athletic 1. A frustrating day all around for Watford. Watford, again, guilty today of trying to play finesse football when it was not necessary in that second half. Watford were not desperate enough in the second half. Watford didn't have that bite and urgency about them in that second half. And Watford tried to make the game difficult when you should be making it easy. At this point in this, the business end of the season, Watford players have to play the game simple. And they have to get over the line. It's not about putting together a flash and dash performance. It's not about trying to be world beaters. You can't be playing Premier League football in the championship. Because the championship is about guts, blood and thunder. And it's about getting over the line. It's about doing those little things. The simple things in football that will get you through to the next game. With three points in hand. That's what Watford have not been able to do all season long in these games, make the game of football simple and play two good halves of football because Watford, outside of two games this season, have failed to play two good halves of football. And that, that is what will cost them a place in the playoffs. So Watford go into the international break now with a blown opportunity. They really did have a massive opportunity today to gain ground on the playoffs, but they really only inched up one point toward that. Watford, with that draw against Wigan Athletic on Saturday, are five points behind the final playoff spot at the minute going into the international break. And that's where Watford will stay Swansea take on Bristol City coming up on Sunday. And no matter what happens in that game, Watford will stay in 10th position on 55 points. Five points behind Millwall in the sixth placed spot. That would be the final of the four playoff spots, the last of the four on offer. And Millwall lost at home on Saturday at the Den against Huddersfield, who were in the bottom three. That was a real shocker today with Millwall losing at home to a bottom three club in Huddersfield. That was the shock of the day. Millwall, who had been going so well and so consistently, had played very well in these games. They now have faltered here with this defeat. And that was a defeat that Watford could have taken advantage of, full advantage of, had they won this game. If Watford had won this game on Saturday, they would be just three points behind Millwall going in to the final eight games of the season. But as it stands now, they're five points behind Millwall. And again, they don't get to play Millwall again. Millwall have beaten Watford. They've done the double over them this season. So look, Watford do not have that opportunity. Now, I wouldn't be... Um, listen, this game, this playoff situation is over. Watford are not making the playoffs. I don't care how many points. I said this before when they beat Birmingham. I said that it doesn't matter how many points you have to play for. If you don't show the heart and desire and the willingness and the desperation to get over the line and get that win, you're not going to any playoffs. I don't care if you had 100 points to play for. You don't show that desperation and desire and that kind of urgency in the second half of the game, if you don't show that in both halves of the game, you're not winning the game. You're not getting the three points. A lot of this is about desire and heart, especially this part of the season. In this particular part of your season, the business end of it, you need to be showing heart and desire and spirit and determination and desperation and urgency. And because Watford didn't do that and haven't done that, in two halves of football for the vast majority of the season. This is why they come out of these games with draws. This is why they come out of winnable contests with only one point instead of three points. This game was winnable against Wigan. 
There's no question about it. It was absolutely winnable. And Watford didn't give you the heart and desire and desperation in that second half. And as a result, they come out with one point instead of three. It's very simple arithmetic. If you don't approach the game with a mindset of doing everything you have to do to win, with a mindset of throwing balls into the box, with a mindset of not hesitating, with a mindset of getting that ball from out of your feet and taking a shot wherever you can, you're not going to win these games down the stretch of a season. You have to make Wigan make mistakes. And in that second half, Watford did not make Wigan make mistakes. And the reason they did not make Wigan make any mistakes was because Watford didn't have the courage to take those shots. Unlike the first half where they did have the courage to take the shots. It's very simple, as I said. It's pretty simple maths. Watford were not good mathematicians in that second half. The desire wasn't there, the urgency wasn't there, the tempo wasn't there, the ball movement in general wasn't there, and certainly the passing wasn't there. The ball, ball moved way too slow, the end product was not good enough. It was poor. The crosses that were so good in the first half, Jeremy Ngake, terrific crosses first half. Ken Sammer, excellent crosses first half. Jao Pedro, excellent crosses first half. Those crosses were missing in the second half. The quality of the crosses that were so clear in the first half diminished in the second. They weren't there. Jekyll and Watford football. And it's going to cost this lot a playoff spot. That is what's going to happen here. So these remaining eight games, and I know the hope, it's the hope that kills you. But these eight remaining games are going to be really what I think now, a a dress rehearsal for next season. Because what you're looking at now is a team, I think, are in rebuild mode. You know, I think the owner needs to be honest about that with the fans. This team now is in rebuild mode. And I think that's exactly where the team's got to be. There's got to be a plan about how you're going to navigate the championship for the next couple of seasons. Because I think Watford are going to be in the championship for at least the next couple of seasons. And I don't mind that. If it means that you're going to start to build a nucleus around the future and that you're going to bet in academy players and that you're going to take time to do the things that Ben Manga needs to do as the technical director, you're going to have to get those things done. And I think it doesn't take one season. It takes two or three. I think that Watford could be in the championship for at least the next two or three seasons. And can you as a Watford fan live with that? I can. I can certainly live with three more seasons in the championship. Fulham, Fulham had to do this. I think they spent two seasons in the championship, maybe. Or maybe not. But it involves development. Even when Fulham got relegated, they had to keep developing. They had to find the extra pieces. They didn't do a radical makeover of their side. They added a piece here, added a piece there, kept the nucleus, which was still fairly young. They kept Mitrovic. They kept Tim Ream. Those are both veterans. And they kept one other player, I think, I forget if it was Tom Kearney or someone of that nature. And then they started to build around there. Took a piece here, took a piece there, brought up some academy players, made a couple of deals, signed some on loans, added some, and they made some deals. And and that's what's happened. And they got a head coach, and we know who he is, who knows how to tactically set up. Now, we've got a head coach that knows how to tactically set up. And there were different formation changes today. We went from three, essentially a three, a three, five, two, I think it was, to a three, to a four, four, two, or a three, five, three, actually. So, excuse me, a three, five, no, a three, four, one. (laughs) The formations were all over the place today, but there was definitely a 4-4-2 later on. And then another change in shape after that when Ryan Porteous was subbed off. But the bottom line is, is that Watford still looked better, first half at least, without Ismail Saar. I thought that Watford, I think, performed very well without him in these games. And Ismail Saar probably will be back in time for the game against that lot up the M1 at the kennel, or as Watford fans say, at someone's house. And that's still two weeks away. So that is likely to be the case 
on April Fool's Day of all days. How about that? You could not script this better against the former head coach of Watford as well. On top of it all, you know that that is going to be some kind of game. This game, of course, is a separate game really from the rest of the games in the season because, of course, this is the derby and nobody wants to lose that. (laughs) As that team found out just a few months ago, back in October of last year, yeah, they lost that. And did they ever? And we'll see what happens, of course, on April 1st. But this Watford side, I hope they learn a lesson from this game. I hope Watford begin to learn lessons in a number of these games. But they seem not to because they've had many draws this season. If you just look at the games at home that they have drawn, and I can think of these off the top of my head now. This game, of course, against Wigan. The game against Preston. The game against Rotherham. The game against Blackburn. The game against the team Hull, remember that one, Hull City, 0-0 coming out of the World Cup break. Remember that game. And there are others as well at home that Watford had that they should have won. The game against Sunderland that was drawn 2-2 at the Vic way back in August. They've had too many of these games where they've drawn. And I think that's five or six opponents that I've just rattled off that Watford should have beaten in these games. And they did not get it done. They didn't get it done. And as a result of failing to get the job done against these teams away from home, at home at the Vic, they now are in a situation and a scenario where they are going to miss the playoffs this season. They're going to miss them. Because those games alone, the game today, the game against Preston, the game against Rotherham, the game against Blackburn, the game against, um, goodness gracious, I mean, that's four or five games The game, and I'm just trying to think of the game against Hull. You know, that's five games right there. They've dropped, they've dropped points. That's 10 points they've dropped from those games alone. 10 points. Sunderland, that's a sixth game. That's now 12 points they've dropped at home. And I've not gone through every single game off the top of my head. But that is 12 points dropped at Vicarage Road this season. At least 12 And if you add 12 to their current points total, they would be right up there challenging, not only for a playoff spot, they'd be right there challenging for automatic promotion, where Middlesbrough are right now, three points behind automatic promotion, with 67 points. Middlesbrough have played a game more than Sheffield United, who were in the FA Cup this weekend. And I'm telling you, Watford have really had their downfall at the Vic, despite winning more games there than than on the road. Watford at home, they've dropped far too many points. You can't drop 12 points at home in these games and expect to make the playoffs. That is not playoff form. In fact, Watford this season have not exhibited any kind of playoff form. They have not put together more than two wins in a row this season, to the best of my memory. And so if Watford can't do that, you can't expect to make playoffs. So that's the position that I view that now. Watford now with eight games to play their next game, of course, as I just mentioned, is at that lot up the M1 at the Kennel. And that's coming up on April the 1st. Then after that, they've got the home game against Huddersfield. And they will have to win that game, of course, because Huddersfield are in the bottom three. But look, Wigan started the day in 23rd place out of 24. Bottom two. And now Wigan, after this game, are actually bottom of the table again. So Watford cannot even beat a bottom-of-the-table side at Vicarage Road. And if you look at these games, the teams that they have dropped these points to at home have all been in the bottom half of the table. Couldn't beat Sunderland at home. I think that game when they played Sunderland, they were in the top half. But now looking at the table, all these teams now that they failed to beat at home or specifically got draws to, except one of them. All of them are in the bottom half of the table. Blackburn's the only other team that's above, that's in the top half of the table, along with Watford. But all the rest of these teams, Sunderland, Preston, Hull, and now Wigan and Rotherham, they're all in the bottom half of the table. All of them. And so they've dropped these points at the Vic, against teams in the bottom half of the table. You're not getting to the playoffs. If you can't beat the teams in the bottom half of the table at home, how do you expect to get into the top six? 
and you can't even beat the bottom six. If you look at their games at the Vic so far this season, Watford have not beaten any, any of the bottom six at home except Blackpool. That's the only team they beat. And Blackpool are in the bottom three. If you look again at the bottom six, Watford have not beaten any of them at Vicarage Road this season except for Blackpool. Queen's Park Rangers in 19th, they lost at home to them. Rotherham in 20th, they got a 1-1 draw. Cardiff have not yet played at home, so we can't really put Cardiff in there. Huddersfield, they've also not yet played at home, so I guess we can't put them, them in there either. But four of the bottom six teams that Watford have played at the Vic, they've not been able to beat except Blackpool. It's really poor. When I come back, the Watford women are on the verge of something good and they face a tough test against the league leaders. That's coming up next. Welcome back to Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. Watford take on Oxford United, the league leaders in the FA Women's National League South on Sunday. Watford have had a very good season indeed. They're in fourth place in the table and having destroyed the Crawley Wasps in midweek are looking to go from strength to strength when they host Oxford United, the league leaders, who have 39 points and are enjoying life at the top of the table. Watford themselves, though, are doing very well indeed in fourth place. They've played 16 games, won 11 of them, dropping just three. And Watford tomorrow, if they get that win, they will uh, be in second place. Um, they have absolutely played very well indeed. Of course, they would be in second provided the Ipswich Town don't do anything except lose in the game. Um you know, this is the thing. Watford now are in a very good position if they win on Sunday against Oxford United. Again, Oxford, I think, were a team that handed Watford one of their three defeats this season. And Watford will be looking to gain revenge when they host Oxford on Sunday. Watford, as I say, their devastating form continues after what they did to the Crawley Wasps in midweek. Helen, I think, scored four. Helen Ward, the outgoing a Watford player, because you know that she is retiring at the end of this season. She scored four goals. I think she might have even scored five in that game, maybe four in that game. Um, Helen Ward has been outstanding. What a career that she has. And she will top it off in style if she can get Watford back where they really belong. I think that uh, Helen Ward and all of the players on Watford can really credit themselves for their excellent work. Great, um, you can look at the players like um, Drea Giorgio. You can look at players like Poppy Wilson. You can look at all of these players, Baptiste. You can look at the, the goalkeeper, Georgia, Fer, Georgia, Fer, Georgie Ferguson. Uh, gosh, I can't even talk. Georgie Ferguson. And again, these are names off the top of my head. I'm not reading anything when I tell you. Um, these players have put in a shift. They have worked very, very hard indeed. And in my... And my and, Anne Mywald, I'm sorry, Anne, I didn't mean to um, trip all over your name. Anne Mywald, um, there's so many players who have made a big difference at Watford, and I've just named a number of them, and I apologize for leaving out any players because all of these Watford players have made a big difference this season. And Damon Lathrop, the Watford head coach, has also done a very good job as well. Credit to him and to the Watford team around him, um, the team of coaches I'm talking about. But the Watford team of players have absolutely got to be given 110% credit for their spirit and their football and their excellence on the pitch. They absolutely have been a threat in every one of these games. Maybe in some games not played the way they really want to, but Watford have been an absolute model of excellence on the pitch. The way they've taken on these teams and the way they don't take any prisoners. When they take on a Crawley Wasps team, they destroy them. When they take on these other teams, they absolutely finish them off. They don't allow them to come back into games. They play consistent, uniform football. They are able to see out matches. They have a killer instinct about them, this Watford side. And they are a Watford side that doesn't get satisfied with one goal or two goals. They go for three and for four and for five and six and seven. 
I mean, they've done that this season a couple of times. They hit seven goals. And these players want more. These players for Watford are not satisfied with a 2-0 win. They want more than that. And the game's been well over and they're still banging in the goals. That's the kind of spirit that the Watford players exemplify. And if they can take that into the game against Oxford United on Sunday, they could have themselves three points. And they would be in second place, provided again that Ipswich do nothing else but lose in their game. It would be a very strong uh, opportunity for Watford to get promotion. Um, But again, there's a few more games to play in this season. And Watford in the business end of the season need to get this win, I think, tomorrow against Oxford. It would be a massive statement if they were able to get that win, get revenge for their defeat against Oxford earlier in the season. One of the three defeats that Watford have had. Watford, I think, are in some really good form. They're the top scorers in the National League South. And they will continue to score goals. But the question becomes, how can they stop this rampant Oxford side? Oxford have lost just once this season. And they've won 12 of their 16 games. And they've conceded just nine goals. Their their defense is airtight. Again, um, that's going to be a challenge for Watford. But I think Watford, if anyone can beat this Oxford side, it is Watford. Watford won't be afraid of Oxford on Sunday. Uh, We will see how these two teams play. It's going to be an extraordinary match to watch. And I do wish the Golden Girls all the very best of success against Oxford United tomorrow. It's a home match for Watford. So they will be at the Vale to take on Oxford United. And that really is going to be a massive, massive game. And again, I wish the Watford women the very, very best indeed with that. I'll come back with one more observation about the Watford men right after this. Welcome back to You Orton's. I'm Omar Moore. Well, I think it can be safely said that Wigan are going to be heading down to League One next season, barring a, a really spirited fight these remaining games. It's not completely a fait accompli for Wigan. But Wigan, I think, are going to be doomed to League One football next season. And Watford, if Watford don't start to pull their boots up a bit more and pull their socks up, they could end up struggling next season in the championship. I think it's a very good possibility that could happen unless the front office starts to retool and rebuild. Because that's essentially the phase that Watford are in right now, a rebuilding mode. I think it was a big disappointment that Dan Gosling did not get his contract renewed. In fact, he got his contract terminated. That was not a good thing for Watford. I think that Dan Gosling was the kind of footballing professional who you need to keep around your clubhouse. Whatever happened with Watford and Dan Backman, excuse me, Dan Gosling behind the scenes, we'll never know. But obviously there was something perhaps that went on And there was a decision that was made in the front office and they got rid of Dan Gosling. Dan Gosling, I think, a serviceable professional, a veteran player. That's the kind of player who's a leader in your clubhouse. He's a leader on the pitch. He has fit into different utility roles on the pitch. He absolutely has played right back. He did that very well in the game against Norwich that was played this season at the Vic when he had to make a big tackle when Craig Cathcart was left eating the dust of a Norwich player. And it was Dan Gosling that kept that player from scoring. And that's the signature moment from this season. And as I think I've alluded to before, the other moment that I'll remember Dan Dan Gosling for, I keep saying Dan Backman, Dan Gosling for, is the game against Norwich in the promotion season in 2021, April of 2021, when behind closed doors in an empty stadium at Carrow Road, he scored the only goal for Watford in a very key win that would push them ultimately for the promotion that really set them up for promotion because I think it was the game after that that Watford got promotion against Millwall at the Vic if my memory serves me right and that goal from Dan Gosling was a very important goal and look it put Watford into the driver's seat there on the crest of promotion they were in automatic at the time But they were just a bit, they were getting closer. And literally, it meant that they now needed one more win to get them to the Premier League. And that's what that goal against Norwich meant in April of 2021. It was Norwich nil, Watford won the final score. And so Dan Gosling 
two signature moments against Norwich City. One this season and one last and one in the season previously in the championship in 2021. And that's what I'll remember Dan Gosling for. I'll also remember him for his interview that he gave around, um, around uh, Claudio Ranieri to talk sport. And I don't know if that's something that was grating on Gino. I don't know. I have no idea. We know that Gino and Claudia are close. I don't know how much any of that had to do anything. Or it could just be that they wanted to cut their losses and cut payroll. Uh, there's a hundred and million, 110 million reasons why Dan Gosling is no longer at the club. But I, for one, uh, would have liked Dan Gosling to stay. I think he should have stayed. I don't think he should have had his contract terminated. But obviously, there's things going on. I would guess. I would guess. I'm speculating now because I, I'm not in the clubhouse. I would imagine that there's some compelling reason, or at least on the part of the front office, for that to take place. Even for me, though, I do not think that Dan Gosling should have had his contract terminated. And then there's another uh, one or two things to talk about with Watford. As I think I alluded to early on in this episode, Watford played better without Ismail Assar. Watford looked good without Ismail Assar. Maybe I didn't mention that before in this particular episode. But granted, when Ismail Assar is on his game, Watford are always going to look a little bit better as an outfit. But Watford in general looked better without Ismail Assar in the team. And Chris Wilder has a decision to make now when Saw gets healthy. I expect he will be back in time from that hamstring for the game on April Fool's Day. Because again, hamstrings, they can vary. It can be three weeks. It could be longer. Um, Ismail Saw's had a million injuries over the last two or three years. Um, but I think that he'll be okay for the game against that lot up the M1. I expect that he'll be back by then. But the bottom line here is that Watford have a decision to make now. Chris Wilder has a decision to make. I would be starting Saw on the bench if he is healthy for that game on April Fool's Day. He has to be on the bench. I think Kone has occupied a better position now. Kone was not great in the game against Wigan. Um, second half, he disappeared, as did João Pedro. Did not have his best game either. But the bottom line here is that Ismail Saw should not be starting these games now. There's too much of an albatross feel to this team on the pitch. And they are much more unbalanced when Saw's there. It's a very uh, right-side heavy um, situation there with, with Watford. And the ball is stagnant when Saw is on it. I never thought I'd say that, but the ball is stagnant. He will run offside. He will absolutely hesitate. He will wait rather than make things happen. He won't put pressure on that Wigan defense at all. And he will stop. Watford did a lot of that on Saturday. They stopped. Instead of just driving into the into the Wigan penalty area, they stopped and allowed Wigan to set their defense. Instead of putting the ball in the box and putting the defense under pressure, they were so concerned about being clinical with the exact pass. You have to go in and be very unsophisticated in these games. You have to play route one football sometimes. Some people don't like route one football, but when you're talking about the championship, that is exactly the game that the championship championship is best suited to. Get that ball in the box. Force those defenders to defend. But when you've got these defenders sitting in front of you and you're toying around with the ball and you're trying to make the pass and you've got the play in front of you, the defenders have got the play in front of them. They say thank you very much indeed. So Watford have got to be sharper with this now. They've got to play much better football. And the front office has got to make some decisions this offseason with Saar and Jao Pedro. I would love Jao Pedro to stay, but I think he's going to be gone. I've said this for months now. Saar's definitely going to be gone. And let's have a proper communication from the owner and the front office in the program notes for today. And those program notes were released on Friday. The Watford chairman and CEO, Scott Duxbury, made it very clear that there was going to be a meeting with Watford supporters. And he did not get much more specific than that, except to say that Watford supporters were going to have much more of the say in terms of these meetings and all the rest of it. He didn't mention who, and the club has not yet mentioned who, are going to be part of this meeting that both Gino Pozzo and Scott Duxbury will be at. And Gino will be there facing the music. I think that's an important thing that Gino is going to be there. I think that's a good thing. Um, he has not faced the fans directly at all in his 11-year tenure at this club. It's almost 11 years now. And so this is a step in the right direction. 
But the thing is, and I've talked about this on social media, you have to have a diverse group of people meeting with Gino and Scott. It's no good if you have the same group of people in the room with Gino and Scott. You cannot have a homogeneous group of people in there. You have to have true, diverse voices and inclusive ones. You have to include people. And I mean make them welcome. And I mean reach out to them and make them a part of things. It cannot be the same homogeneous group of people. You have to be prepared as a business, as an ownership, to listen to voices that are different from yours, that look different from you, that sound different from you, and voices as well in addition to that that you may be uncomfortable with. You have to be prepared to listen to those voices because those voices may criticize you. They may be quite strong in their criticism of you, but it's an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself. And not only that, to change what you're doing at the club on the pitch and off it in some areas, because the major part of things that have to be done better off the pitch is clearly the relationship with the fan base. That has been an F grade for the last two or three seasons, it's been a fail. That has to change. I have repeatedly said that I have a lot of ideas, constructive ideas and solutions, constructive solutions. And I have a whole blue point, uh, a blueprint plan of things that Watford have to do better at the club. To make this club a truly better club on and off the pitch. I have a whole load of ideas. I have said this before including last season, I've made public and private calls, or at least connect communications, I should say, to Watford Football Club and persons in it. But there has not been any response and no one at Watford has reached out in terms of being receptive to the ideas or to the fact that I have ideas to try to make this club a better club. So I do not expect Watford Football Club to actually contact me. Now, I'm not the only one who is not going to get contacted. I suspect that the people who have been contacted, have already been contacted, they already know who they are. And they've probably been told to keep things quiet. Fair enough. That's their prerogative. If that's what they've been told, I don't know. That's my guess. What I am saying at this point is that you cannot exclude voices that might be able to help you, not even might, that should be at the table. It's not just me I'm talking about. I'm talking about other fans who won't be at that table, who won't be at that meeting, who should be at that meeting. Fans that you might not like to hear from. Fans that might have even swore at you. I don't think that you should be swearing at the owner. I don't think you should be swearing at Scott Duxbury. I don't think you should be doing that. What I am saying, though, is you should be prepared to listen to voices that you might not like to hear from, that you may not like to listen to. Change is not something that's easy, but you have to go through those pains. And sometimes you have to go through those pains by listening to people that you might not otherwise want to listen to. But people who have solutions and ideas and constructive engagement and sensible ways forward. It's too easy to listen to people that you're accustomed to and comfortable with and like. Sometimes you have to put people in a room that you might not like. That's what business is. It's about business. It's not about whether someone likes someone or not. It's about what solutions and what things can be done to make things better. Now, the conversation needs to be cordial and respectful and decent and professional but that doesn't mean that people have to like each other. It just means you have to be committed to getting an accord on what the best ways are forward for this club. So those are the things I wanted to say in closing about the Watford first team and Watford off the pitch. I think it's very important that listening is an essential part of what Gino and Scott do at this meeting that they're going to be part of. There will be meetings after that. But at least Gino and Scott will be at the first meeting. This is an important step, but there's so much more that needs to be done. And there cannot any longer be promises of things 
there now has to be a leveling with the fan base. And there has to be, at this point, an honest assessment of what the plan is for this Watford team, this men's first team. It can't be vague. It can't be given to us in generalities. It's got to be about where do you see this team and what's your vision for this team the next two or three seasons. These are the kinds of things that have to be talked about. And as I said, I've got lots of ideas and I've got lots of blueprint plans that I think would be things that Gino and Scott would like to hear about. But obviously, Watford Football Club have made it clear by their silence in terms of wanting to reach out to me that they are not interested in what I have to say. They've heard me on the podcast, I'm sure, and they thought, well, this person is not someone that we want to listen to. He said this about the owner. He said that about the owner. And we don't want, we're not interested in hearing from him. Well, again, sometimes you have to be able to be willing to listen to people that you may not like to hear from. That's just the way it goes. Real change happens when you do that. And you have to be willing enough to grow enough to be put on that hot seat. And you have to be willing to listen to fans who you may not agree with and who may not agree with you. The idea of change and making things better is not about making the person who needs to change comfortable. It's about having that person be a little bit uncomfortable when you talk about the things that need to change. That doesn't mean threatening or being violent. I'm not saying anything like that because I don't approve any of those things. When I'm talking about uncomfortable things and discomfortable discomfort, I'm talking about being willing to listen to the hard facts and truths that fans want to tell you. And also being adaptable to some of the game plans that fans have to try to make things better. That's what this is all about. It's not about calling names. It's not about any of that. Of course, you'll say something on the podcast when it comes to the people who run the club. Nothing nasty. It's just honest about this club. There are times where I think things need to be said because these things are true things. And you have to be able to be honest about where you sit. You have to be introspective. That goes for me as well as for anyone else. And that certainly goes for the owner of this club that we love. Follow along on Twitter at WFC and on Instagram at WFC. The YouTube channel is WFC as well. Don't forget to subscribe, please, to it. Thank you for doing so. And like the videos as well, please. Would be greatly appreciated. Spread the word about the Yuan's WFC YouTube channel and, of course, this very podcast, which is available on numerous podcasting platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and share. That's it for now on this edition of Yuan's. We now have an international break, two weeks now for Watford to get better and to exercise the footballing fundamentals which they have lacked so often this season in games. And until next time around, when we take on that lot up the M1, on April Fool's Day, I'm Omar Moore saying, you.